The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? Sports Show. We return from a one-week hiatus as the housing market has absolutely devastated everything that we stand for and love on this podcast. Not for Beans. Not for Beans, because Beans actually has a house. Congratulations to Beans. I, yeah, let's give Beans a round of applause. I would just like to say that um, what I actually meant to say when I was making fun of third world countries and having houses and all that stuff was I'm glad that I could inspire beans to get a house because obviously I am not capable yet. Nope. Gavin, I am sorry to report is still homeless, but not completely. He has an apartment. I'm actually a real estate mogul. Now I have two properties that I don't own now. (laughs) How is the apartment now? Oh, good. Cluttered. Sydney just kind of aimlessly walks around and shits occasionally. But uh, other than that, good. Oh, good. And uh, how's Sarah doing? I know she's in the Appalachian Mountains right now. Yeah, so for those that don't know, my fiancé that was announced uh, at some point on this podcast is aimlessly walking somewhere in New Hampshire right now, hopefully headed south or in the general direction of Georgia. She's walking (laughs) the Appalachian Trail. Um. She's with friends, but sometimes, and is other times by herself, occasionally getting food uh, care packages from myself, and yeah, just kind of generally walking south. Well, there you go. That sounds like a heck of a time. Um, You were dealing with a heck of a time without her, but now the heck of a time has only just begun as you start the next journey for the next house. All I got to do now is just like work a salaried job, which is, I mean, just fucking cake compared to like, you know, the rest of life. I tell you what, salary is nice until they have you start like, you know, working past eight hours. (laughs) Actually working instead of, I don't know, the like new guy card I have um, underneath my name, uh, my desk like name at work i have a senior intern as my actual position so oh, I'm, wow i'm kind of gonna ride that for a while hopefully until i retire uh they might try and promote me um don't let they, them when they try to do that though i'll probably just show up in less articles of clothing each day until they like demote me back to where i started i tell and you what i i've gotten to coast off of the new guy card for six almost seven months now Oh, I'm good. And it's fantastic. I actually haven't been able to coast off of it. They gave me some projects, and I'm just, you know, doing those about as slowly as possible. That's right. You new guide them out. Exactly. You know, maybe they won't give me a, a, a new project the next time. <laughs> but I think it's time for us to start the show proper. And, you know, as exciting as it was for Beans to acquire a house, we have an even ex- more exciting announcement. We teased it on Twitter but we actually have a legitimate sponsor for the rest of time, hopefully. 
Gavin, I know that you weren't in this meeting, but I just want to say with my full chest is our greatest answer. Answer? Answer. Wow. Fuck yeah. It's an answer. Iverson. Alan Iverson. It's our great honor to say that today's episode is sponsored by Play Action Pools. They are a gambling website and the future of office sports pools. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us to be sponsored by them where they allow you to play salary-capped games and daily fantasy games on their site with your office mates for bragging rights. And to top it all off, they've allowed us to have a free go at it at this year's Open Championship. It's a salary-capped golf game. You can choose up to 10 golfers with a salary cap. Each golfer costs an amount of money. You choose your golfers up to 10, and whoever takes home the most money out of each pool of golfers wins. Join now. When you listen to this, it'll probably be closed because it closes at 11 on July 13th. Kind of a misstep on our part. But it is what it is. Yep. It's our first one. We're still learning. But either way, I don't know exactly how golf works, but I know how salary cap and math works. So I think I can figure this one out. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to have our first sponsor, you know. All I know is Tiger Woods was $9, and I took him for the culture. <laughs> It'll Tiger help Woods will probably finish dead last in St. Andrews, but I do not care. But again, huge shout out to Play Action Pools. We're so happy to be affiliated with you guys, and we're looking forward to growing together. But now, Gavin, it's time to get into the quick hitters. And I think that it's important that we acknowledge what a great success the Kyler Alderson Memorial 3v3 basketball tournament was two, this last weekend or two weekends ago, excuse me. Yeah, I, um, A, just the tournament itself, the uh, purpose it served, um, getting getting a lot of people together that hadn't seen each other in a while. It was just a lot of things, uh, a lot of great things. Um, you could only say good things about the tournament um, and the event. It was super good environment, super good atmosphere. It was just an incredible uh, time there. For sure. And I believe that they raised about $2,000 in the silent auction, I think is what I heard. Wow. And I'll be going to the Kyler Alderson Memorial Scholarship Fund. And it's really such a great cause. And – we're so happy that Wyatt allowed us to broadcast it. And, you know, a, a big round of applause for Beans. Beans did yeah. so much heavy lifting, so much just blood, sweat, tears, and logistics about being able to set up the broadcast. And I think he did a heck of a job. I don't want to pat ourselves too much on the back, but I think we did a pretty good job for our first time. And, you know, I think it's good for everyone that this event, went off without a hitch and not to not to shamelessly plug if you do want to watch the event in its entirety or mostly entirety we kind of shaved a few minutes off the beginning um you can find it at flyer state sports show on youtube just type that into the search bar and it'll come up it'll just show um a basketball court and it's like three hours long yep the uh so. broadcasting was so much fun and to continue on giving beans a pat on the back Bean showed up to my house the day before trying to get like the, I don't even know what else to call it besides just technology functioning. <laughs> and I, I am an engineer. 
I have been around, you know, I'm supposed to be around like the cutting edge of technology and beans plopped in front of me at my house. Shit that I didn't even know existed when it comes to sound and video. And, um, I, hats off to beans that that we we don't pull that off without the work that beans pulled especially with just the amount of uh life issues that i had going on and sam just not being in the same zip code so yeah, not being in the same zip code and like not being on the same work schedule either. yeah that too. yeah so i'm uh, just a uh, huge shout out to beans and to a great event yeah and Again, such a great job by everyone involved. Shout out to uh, Pierce and McAtee for making us donate $50 or $10 a dunk. Shout out to Matt Webb for winning finals MVP. It was such a great event. And hopefully we can continue to do this as, you know, it's something that we hope that can continue every year for future generations to come. Now, to get off the sentimental train, I think it's time to talk about some actual big-time topics a little something happened, you know, like a week or two ago. Uh, it was called uh, UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. And that kind of, you know, fucked everything up when it comes to college football. Uh, yeah, things are in the mud right now. What are you thinking, Gavin? So, I think things are not any worse than they were before. I think people are still like trying to wrap their heads around what happened with Oklahoma and Texas um, last year. And like, I think people are sad that it's just continuing to happen. I think it depends on your expectations coming in, but like, is anything really any different? The PAC 12 was, was just like a nothing burger over the last couple of years. Um, you have a couple major conferences. The Big 12, whether they're good or bad, isn't going to get national media recognition. So all that's really changing here is nothing because the Big Ten and the SEC are going to get recognized as top conferences, whether they are good or bad across the board. And now they're just kind of getting better. So that's all it means to me. I mean, the same teams, the same uh, conferences are going to make the playoffs. So I would say in the grand scheme of things – um, you're right, like, especially in what the last thing you said, like Ohio State and, like, LSU and Alabama and, like, Michigan and Georgia and those teams are still going to be the ones that are making and winning the championship, right? Like, those are, it's, it's going to be the same teams because it's been the same teams for forever. Yep. But I think, realistically, if you're talking about realignment, for one – we're kind of getting down to the point where there's not a lot of schools left that like can actually add value to conferences. Right. And th- yeah. this is all about money. Like, you mean like every- three teams? At- huh? You mean like teams that have the ability to move or like act realistically well, just, can move? Well, just team. So like the, the ACC grant of rights is a whole different thing, right? Like right. That, that's a whole different conversation, but even if that didn't exist, like there's not a lot of schools. If you're getting paid like a hundred like million a year or whatever for your TV rights through like 16 teams. There's not a whole lot of schools that are worth a hundred million yes. like to TV partners. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we're, we're getting to a point where we've consolidated so much of the like TV market that you can't really add a school that like is going to be like financially successful or like financial savvy. Like right. That's one of the things with, like, Oregon and Washington, from what I've heard, is they're worth, like, 
60, 70 million, but like the Big Ten, like per average team is worth like 100. So like they'd actually lose the money. Right. And so, I mean, I, I think the next step naturally is eventually like have an Oregon join like the Big Ten and kick him like, I don't know, like Illinois out or something like that. Like that's the next step. But I feel like a lot of this will calm things down. I think the only real thing that's really left to see is does the Pac-12 tw- now 10 just die, right? Like that's kind of it. Like, yeah, I like, does the Big 12 be aggressive in poaching any of those teams because maybe the Big 12 gets a better media deal than the Pac-12 and such and such or is the Pac-12 just going to stay at 10 or are they going to add some Mount West schools? Because, I mean, at this point, it just kind of feels like the Big 12 is just kind of there, and they're fine because nobody wants them. The ACC is locked into the grant of rights, and the Pac-10 now just has Washington and Oregon, and that's kind of it. Right. So um, you bring up a, like, key point where you keep bringing up finances and money, and I want – whether uh, you expected this or not, wherever your expectations were, um, the reality is, and we all realize this now at this point, um, it was always about money. It's always going to be about money. And that at the end of the day, um, it's sad, but it's been the reality for so long that I think you're kidding yourself if you're like, if you're saying that it's a big deal, UCLA and USC moving. Like, it's a it's a move that uh, is for TV markets and getting more money into the Big Ten, but on the like grand scheme of things, the national stage, nothing really feels like it's changing to me. The the like I said, the Pac-12 sucks. The Big Twelve now uh, to go into like real like what I think about where we're at. A hats off to the Big Twelve for adding all of the schools that when they got picked over because they were the first right. conference to get attacked. For, They're the first surviving twice. Yes. And so look at the Pac-12 right now with like, like who's the Pac-12 going to add realistically that's going to help them. There's really like no. From what I've read and seen and heard from reliable and unreliable sources, it's like nobody. Right. And like so no, nobody's going to raise that TV value number. It's like San Diego State would like keep it kind of neutral to lower it and SMU would do kind of the same, and the only thing you're doing is setting roots in Texas and in San Diego. Yeah, and it, it feels like we're heading towards the two major super conferences, which, again, like the NFL, the media, the draft, the whatever, would have you believe that there were already only two like actual conferences that matter. Um, the good thing to me is the Big 12 feels like it's now positioned itself at the top of that, like, next tier. If, mm-hmm. say, say, like, college football were to, like, devolve into two separate, um, essentially, divisions with the two conferences that matter in the Big 10, the SEC, and then the rest, it feels like the Big 12 has at least positioned themselves at the top of that next tier. And I don't think that's a bad thing whatsoever, given, like, what we're actually, I guess, capable of. No, I I think really what's going to happen – so, like, here's here's where I see it, right? And, uh, like, I feel like – so, again, this this is from an unverified source. And, like, he predicted that UCLA and USC – or he reported 
or whatever, that they would go to the Big Ten like in April. Like you tweeted like April 18th. And he's been tweeting about how CBS like really wants the Big 12 so that way they can get shit on Paramount Plus. And honestly, that would be pretty cool to be yep. completely frank. But um, like he's like from what I've been hearing, the Big 12 as presently constructed is more attractive than the Pac-12, even if the Pac-12 added schools. And kind of the way that it's looking is, is if you can take, even if you don't take like Oregon and Washington or even Utah, because Utah, from what I've heard, is kind of waffling from like some of the schools that have been reported to maybe go into the Big 12. But if you like just take Colorado and the two Arizona schools, right, and you get to 15 and you just have a fun, like awesome college basketball league, like fun football league, like, with the ACC grant of rights, they can't bring in a team without having to renegotiate the TV contract. And if they renegotiate the TV contract, grant of rights is void, and then Clemson can just go to the SEC. Or, like, North Carolina can go to the Big Ten or wherever. Like, they can just leave. Right. So it feels like the ACC is kind of stuck in neutral until their schools can just leave anyways after they're done being stuck in neutral. And no one wants the Big 12 schools. So it almost feels like the Big 12 is in good position to get some Pac-12 leftovers that have some value and then like some ACC schools that like will have some value. And it's just kind of the coast to coasty like redheaded stepchild league where it's like, you know, this league is like super fun and like they have good teams in it, but like they're, they don't make the Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Okay, everyone. That was my producer, Mr. Beans, telling me that our audio just cut out in the middle of recording. What happens when he's not here? I know. It's terrible. So he told us to just move on to the next segment because obviously God didn't want to hear about conference realignment. So I guess instead of talking about conference realignment in college football, we'll just talk about K-State college football. Hope. Here we go. Here we go. Kansas State had a Big 4th of July weekend, everyone, with the commitment of Avery Johnson, the number 12 overall quarterback prospect in the class of 2023 and number three dual threat quarterback in the class out of Mays, Kansas. I'm going to go watch him play because I'm only two hours away. Uh, So I want to say one thing um, to an apology to somebody because I've – I'm not sure if on this podcast, but I know at least to people close to me, I've been skeptical of Colin Klein as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback coach before that, and just generally. Say what you will about Jake Rubley, um, and obviously we haven't seen Avery Johnson play yet, but at the very least, there's a clear difference in like the level of talent that we're bringing in at quarterback, which Colin has been directly responsible for since he's been a coach at Kansas State. Um, mm-hmm. So hats off to Colin. We'll worry about player development at a different time when we have a couple more data points. But at the very least, we're seeing high impact or uh, high level recruits coming in, which is a drastic change at quarterback. And honestly, it just feels good to finally get a lot of the in-state talent to stay. It really sucks when you go out and you look at like the kids who were in the state of Kansas, who went elsewhere and like made names for themselves, right? It's really, it's really just a like, wow. If only like Isaiah Simmons stayed at K 
stayed home and went to K-State. Or, like, um, Graham Mertz isn't really that good. But, like, if Graham Mertz, like, stayed, you know, instead of going to Wisconsin. Like, guys like that, you know what I mean? Even the medium-level NFL guys. You Rashad White's. The, uh, uh, Brees Hall went to high school in uh, Ex- Exactly. Wichita. Like, K-State. Like, K-State going from Brees Hall to, like, Deuce Vaughn. Or having Brees Hall and Deuce Vaughn at the same time. Right. Like, that we, be- haven't had, we haven't had a uh, overload of – which we're actually going to talk about it here soon. But the uh, talent on this roster is a lot. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily from bringing in high-level recruits. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But I think it's just important to say, you know, K-State's done a good job on the recruiting trail this year. And, I mean, if you have a positive season stacked on top of a positive recruiting class, you know, that could be a lot of momentum into the future. And, you know, who who knows what happens. And who knows, like, even how important this not, – not to be a wet blanket here, but who knows how important this class will even be considering that the transfer portal thing. I mean, half of it could be gone. Right. And uh, so to completely destroy your wet blanket and to make every K-State fan sitting at home really, really happy um, – is Sterling and Avery the exact same class? No, Sterling's actually on the team this year. Okay, so we're going to so get... Yeah, so we get Avery Johnson year. to Sterling Lockett. Oh, that just makes me excited. With Dylan Edwards in the backfield. You know, we might actually be good this year, Gavin, because they have a Lockett. We, yeah, no, just uh, the, it's the Lockett rule, right? Exactly. We we aren't bad when the Lockett's on the team. No, and we, we can get into that... Uh, a little bit later here but yeah I just uh I wanted to give our coaching staff uh the proper dues because I've been skeptical of them and I've uh spoken um badly of them in the past but this is a big big step in a positive direction you just hope that it can continue with the way that college football is set up nowadays as you alluded to exactly well now we're gonna go from exciting Kansas State football news to less exciting NFL news. Uh, We have a couple of topics here that we just want to mention, and we'll let Gavin chew into them for a little bit, but not too long. We have a Terry McLaurin extension. I didn't even pull up what the contract terms are because we don't care. Uh, $56 million guaranteed. I think it was $70 million total. It puts him basically somewhere in between that, like, top, top tier of, like, you know, your Devontae Adams, the, like, massive new contracts that were signed and the, like, Christian Kirk way overpaid guys. Like, somewhere in that $25, $26 million a year, probably exactly where he's worth. And I think the part that, like, your casual fans won't get about Scary Terry is the fact that, like, he's been a team captain on the team every year since his rookie year. Um, He's, like, the only part of what's gone right there. We've made fun of the owner. We've made fun of basically everything that's happened there. They've changed team names uh, quicker than I've changed rentals. So, um, <laughs> it's, had more team names than you've had houses. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And scary Terry has been the only shining beacon of hope there. So good for him to get his dues. I think it's also important. Just Terry, like trying to wait out and like Terry, like trying to play the season. And then like Terry trying to like wait out for big, I mean, it's just risky. Because, like, you know, he got drafted, like, what, the third round? Right, he hasn't made any money. He wasn't making fucking shit. So I'm glad that he finally got some money. And, 
Like, hopefully, you know, he – I know he's a little bit older, but hopefully, you know, he does a great job for the rest of his contract and can make another big-ass contract because we love Terry. Yep. And then the other big news that's really not big news that we don't care about is Gronk retired, and he's on your fantasy team. So that yeah. stinks. Gronk retired, and the retired is in, like, small font because he he had to – it was apparently news again today. He retired a week ago, but they just had to let out again that, like, hey – He's like actually retired guys because he said so, but you wouldn't have to repeat it if everybody just believed you the first time. And maybe if Gronk hadn't returned from retirement once. So we'll see what happens when Chris Godwin's on the pup and uh, Tom Brady comes calling. But uh, for right now, Gronk is officially retired. Kind of Tom Brady ruined retirements. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right. But now back to some news that we actually, you know, need to, discuss a little bit. Baker Mayfield is traded from the Cleveland Browns, ending his tenure as the only quarterback worth a damn in the franchise's new history. Except for Derek Anderson one year, somehow. Um, For what was it? A conditional fifth-round pick in 2023, I think? Uh, 2024, I think. Ah, that is right. I forget. You know, I forget. I knew it was the next draft. I forget that we have done the 2020 draft already. Or 2020, excuse me. This was um, incredible. I incredible mismanagement by the Browns on so many levels. Um, What's new? I know. And the sad part is, like, I still I don't know what's going to happen with Watson. We're not getting into it. But as far as what it did with Baker, like, I I don't know. If you know that you're going to get Watson, or you know you're going to make an aggressive move, trade trade Baker away. If you feel like you don't have the security to do that, then Maybe you should just think about how much Baker meant to you in the first place. Uh, if you don't want to, like, if you really thought that you could just get by with Jacoby Brissett, then what's the difference in just not trading for Deshaun Watson and having all your first round picks and not having the, like, wh- whatever hanging over your head, right? I, I, I think for me, really, it's just, uh, I get it. Like, I'm not, like, the biggest Baker guy or anything like that. Like, I think. I, what did I say? I think I told someone he was the Jimmy Garoppolo of Kirk Cousins. Like, <laughs> literally as average as it gets. Yeah. But, like, Baker is, like, Baker's a warrior, dude. He played on, like, a freaking torn labrum last year. Like, he shouldn't even be playing. And there's, there's a problem with fans, and I, there's a problem with everybody around the NFL, in my opinion, to where if you're not a top 12 quarterback, you suck. If you're not a, like, top-level, worth-the-contract, however you want to put it, quarterback, like, you're just terrible. You get a couple outliers that have just been, like, surrounded by good talent their whole careers, like Dak or something. But, like, for the most part, if you're just not great, uh, or if you're just, like, okay or average, even above average sometimes, you suck. And I don't think that's fair to Baker. Like you said, he's better than he shown last year. We've seen him play really really well in flashes um i personally hope given the week one matchup which thank you nfl schedule makers for that by the way dude everyone's gonna say it's fucking rigged it's like oh my god it's fucking rigged it's like maybe the nfl knew that carolina might trade for baker when they made the schedule you ever think of that yeah i if he sucks the rest of the season i just want to see like the flag plant in the middle of ohio state stadium moment from baker mayfield right god, where you he... imagine if he fucking did oh my god i need him to start like i i need it 
He's going to start. Matt, it's, Matt Corral's it's not going to be the same if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. Like, it's just not going to be the same. But, like, it'll be good enough when Jacoby Brissett's playing. Yeah, I, I don't care because, I mean, that's Cleveland's decision is to start. Cleveland made no, the decision I, I get to start that. I, I completely understand what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, if Carolina won, Deshaun Watson was playing, that would. Oh, yeah. Dude, that would be, like, I like, I don't want to overuse, like, break the internet, but that would be up there with, Especially like, if it was a shootout. That'd be up there with the Clippers blowing that 3-1 lead against the Nuggets of, like, slander. That'd be so much slander. And the best part, too, is, like, Baker's the type of guy that you would just, like, that would just make content. Just make it a much bigger moment than it, like, actually is, too. Oh, dude. Right? You know what he would, you know what he could do? That would be just even more, like, savage than any anything he could say. If he just, like, went up to the podium and, like, didn't answer questions about it, just said, like, no comment, or, like, just gave normal, like, non like, that'd be so disrespectful. Yeah. If he just actually, didn't acknowledge that, like, that he beat Cleveland. Actually, imagine. Soldier for once. Yeah, like, that'd be fucking crazy. Yeah. No, but, it's um, good for Carolina. He, he's the best quarterback that DJ Moore has probably ever had. Yeah, um, which is saying something. I don't know what it says. Ba- Baker can be a very solid quarterback. I I like Carolina's roster. I think they can make the playoffs if things break right. If Baker Mayfield, and this is a big if, but like that end of the year stretch, um, obviously years ago, years ago, yeah, where he just like played really, really well, controlled the offense, played within himself, had a connected sh- uh, shoulder, all of those things. If he's just, like, not atrocious with that roster, and this also requires their offensive line to just take a massive step forward. But, like, I really do think he could earn another starting job in Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i telling you, dude, this is the same thing that was going to happen with Cleveland. He's going to play just well enough to get a franchise tag. Yeah. Which, which is pretty much what Kirk Cousins did forever until the Vikings just said, all right, we can't draft quarterbacks. Let's go with that. Isn't isn't it crazy how like he is this Deshaun Watson stuff? Maybe he goes to a different team, whatever. But like, how much stuff in the NFL happened just because Baker either refused or Cleveland refused to rest Baker with a hurt hurt shoulder? Well, the Steelers made the playoffs because of that, more or less. I I would argue that they made the playoffs because of that. Because oh, like yeah. if if Baker yep. like didn't hurt his shoulder or like if they just got competent QB play. Yeah, they, don't, they probably don't remind me of that game, Sam. Please. Huh? Don't remind me of that game, please. <laughs> Whoops. Um, um, but no, uh, by the way, for everyone, for every, to, to submitted for everyone's consideration, Baker Mayfield is the last quarterback to win a playoff game at Heinz Field. Baker Mayfield, is, uh, that's the other thing with this, too. Like, Cleveland, I understand. I supported you with the Sean Watson decision. This was a unfortunate thing that I think you could have avoided. But it's like, the right move football-wise. It's the wrong move literally every other way-wise. If it was not Cleveland, if it wasn't the franchise that had the laundry lit, the jersey, right, with 26 names at quarterback, if it wasn't that team – I would view it differently, but for like a franchise, a a business at the end of the day, like 
it's so fucking risky to take a guy that you know can at least be okay, can at least be not one of the 26 other players on your jersey, right? They could have also just drafted him in 2016, was that? Or was that 17? The Baker? 17. No, Watson. They traded the pick that became Deshaun Watson. Oh. They could have just drafted him. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Whoops. I don't even know what they got. They probably got, like, fucking some sort of good player out of that, so who cares? Yep. But, uh, you know, speaking of quarterbacks, Gavin, do you know that Zach Wilson fucks moms? Dude, I this story, speaking of breaking the internet, speaking of breaking the internet, oh my god. Is there any more Zach Wilson of a story, too? That guy's a fucking savage. That dude's a dog. Um, I think the funniest tweet I ever saw that like just completely sums up these two players, even when they were just prospects, was uh Mac Jones ain't banging moms. (laughs) Dude, you know what's resurfaced from like this whole thing? Is that picture like the the fact that Zach Wilson for his senior year of high school took like two BYU cheerleaders to his prom. Yeah. Like, how did we not see this coming? No, that's the other thing, too, is, like, um, the only thing that, like, protected this narrative was he went to school at BYU. Dude, that guy's, like, the most un-Mormon Mormon I've ever seen. <laughs> no! Dude, no dude, that guy is Mormon in name only. <laughs> he banged his teammate's Mormon mom. Dude. about that? Well, he didn't bang his teammate's mom, I don't think. He banged... He- it no, that, mom, that's the it? common misconception. He banged ah, okay. his friend's mom. Which oh, a Dax Milne confirmed not his friend. Okay. Yeah, so, so pretty much for those who are uninitiated, Zach Wilson broke up with his girlfriend, who was also a 10, by the way. Dude, Zach Wilson just pulls 10s. It's ridiculous. Um, But Zach Wilson broke up with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend started dating his best friend, Dax Millen, who was like his number one receiver at BYU. And so now Zach Wilson is friends with Dax Millen and someone commented on his ex-girlfriend's Instagram post about her and Dax being a thing and basically said like she was homie hopping, like whatever. And then the ex basically was like, well, yeah, we broke up because he was fucking, you know, one of his mom's friends. And then like that turned from like, she thought that fucking... Zach Wilson was going to get destroyed by the internet for that, but it had the complete opposite effect. Yeah. Twitter's just a terrible place. (laughs) Like, that dude probably ruined a family, and Twitter's like, yeah, dude, he's got that dog in him. It's that scene from South Park when, like, Kyle's like, oh, yeah, my brother got, like, molested by a teacher. It's like, oh, like, (laughs) who is it? It's like, oh, it's the girl's, it's the kindergarten teacher. It's like, oh, the hot blonde? It's like, yeah. It's like, nice. Yeah, this... I, I'm tr- struggling to wrap my head around it. And also just the, like... The assortment of 21-year-old to, like... I guess 20 to, like, 30-year-old males that, like, learn about this story that are his teammates. And he just, like, walks into the locker room to, like, a, you know, a shroud of applause. And just, like, everybody instantly loves their quarterback that couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in practice last week. I, now it's like, just like, dude, you're cool now. This is awesome. Let's build around Zach Wilson. 
it, it's it's the damnedest thing, really. Like Zach Wilson's just been taking, like he basically broke up with his girlfriend for like distracting him from football or something, and like the internet was like, oh yeah, like you're the man. And then it's like, oh, by the way, he's fucking one of his mom's best friends. He's like, wow, you really are the man. It's like, dude, who's having a better offseason than Zach Wilson? You got freaking, uh, <laughs> you got Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, too. Who's having a better offseason? Yeah, that's uh, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Brees Hall. All that whole skill position group is just like, hey, like, uh, you got any more moms there? Just completely ready to go to town. But that's besides Ooh, the point. Best yeah. joke of the uh, – Best joke I saw on Twitter was someone said he wasn't used to the Jets scoring over 30. And with that, we move to my super special NBA roundup where we go over what's happened in the NBA. Paulo Bonchero went number one overall to the Magic. He looks awesome in Summer League. Chet Holmgren and his non-hamburger-eating ass went number two to the Thunder. He needs to eat some cheeseburgers, but he looked pretty good. Jabari Smith has looked fine in Summer League. He went number three to Houston. And then the rest of the picks... We know you don't care at all. So, it was a good draft. Nick Fox was just absolutely devastated that Chet Holmgren went to the Thunder. And then after one summer league game, he was like, this guy's the fucking truth. That sounds like Fox. So, you know, things change fast in the NBA. Speaking of changing fast, Rudy Gobert heading into the Timberwolves for an assortment of players, including playing game MVP Patrick Beverly the man who stood up on the table like Kobe Bryant after winning one game to get his team into the playoffs. And, like, sixth first-round picks or something crazy like that. So, Rudy Gobert is going to Minnesota. I hate that fit, um, at least come playoff time, but they'll either try and prove me wrong. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are trying to leave Brooklyn. Brooklyn really doesn't have anywhere to trade them. Brooklyn probably won't. Eh, we'll see. And that is the super special NBA recap. Gavin, do you have any thoughts? Uh, no, not to distract us from the NBA, but it is completely on brand for me to do this. Um, so I actually am just now breaking news, you know, boop, 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 boop. Um, I'm seeing a report on, uh, I don't know who exactly reported it here. It's just on NFL Total Access. Um, Chiefs and Orlando Brown are not close on a long, long-term deal. Uh, I have three days left to do one. If no deal is reached by Friday, Orlando Brown is not expected for the start of training camp, and week one is not a certainty either. Um, Fuck. Uh, so the good news with this is our offensive line is really, really good everywhere else anyways. We just have to replace a tackle. The bad news is tackles are really valuable, and <laughs> uh. I don't want to trade a first-round pick for one year of a above-average tackle that we don't extend, and he's just gone. Well, to that I say to you, Gavin, fuck. Pain. Um, but obviously someone has leaked this for leverage. Yeah. And it's probably Orlando Brown. Also what so I was thinking. We'll see what happens. Can we still trade him, by the way? Um, uh, I think I, you can. I think we can too. Um, I'm not entirely sure we should be able to. The problem is like a team's not doing a team's not trading for them unless you have the like extension. Yeah, right. Um, the problem with that is the players that we've seen get that trade and extension. Maybe like 
especially the wide receivers are the easy ones this offseason. Marquise Brown is probably like the worst one of them. Uh, so what if uh, here here would be a thought? This we just got off talking the Jets, so that's why I'm thinking it. What if uh oh get there? Yes, sir. One run for the Red Sox as I get distracted during a live podcast, but live during a live distraction on the live podcast. They ran a suicide squeeze play there. That was incredible. Um, anyways, um, I just want to see Mackay Becton and Orlando Brown on the same bookend offensive line. I just think that'd be fun. I um. There's no other reason for me to bring up the Jets other than us, you know, wanting to still talk about Zach Wilson banging moms. <laughs> I just, I, we, we, I don't think any of us were, we liked getting Orlando Brown. We hated giving up a first knowing that we were going to have to give him a contract. And now here we are. Uh, this just kind of feels, do the Chiefs have any leverage here? Like realistically, because uh, Orlando Brown uh, knows that they uh, gave, him, mean, we gave him a first round pick for him. I mean, another a second franchise tag, I guess. I don't know. But uh, um, the, is there the, any... only, the only leverage that Kansas City really has is that he's never been paid. Like, he was like a fifth round – like, he was like a third or fourth round pick. That – and I'm not sure on – because he's still, he's still on the rookie deal or is he on the franchise tag? I, I believe – so he'd be on the franchise tag, but if he doesn't play, then like – you know what well, I mean? Well, because I know that the uh, way that contracts are set up for rookies, it basically makes them impossible. It makes it impossible for them to hold out before their first contract. But I don't know if that includes franchise tags. Well, so I would imagine. So the thing is, is like the franchise tag. If he doesn't fucking play, then he's not going to get paid. So I mean, like, yes, he's been paid a shit ton of money, right? Like mm-hmm. relatively, but like, re- like. To you and me, relatively, but relative to the NFL, he's made fucking nothing. Right. So I mean, like, at some point, he's just gonna want to play on the because we can just franchise tag him again. Yeah. <laughs> like just... Orlando Brown's not gonna if Orlando Brown sat out two years or whatever to make no money, like that would I feel like that just wouldn't be very smart. Well, I guess a good way to just wrap this up. There's no no way that this is just like good generally that they're struggling to come together for a deal, but it's probably not as bad as that report initially makes it out to be. Yeah, I mean, I did honestly. Do you want to pay Orlando Brown? I mean, yeah, I think I do. I, I don't know. I feel like it would be very advantageous for us to. Give him like a big contract for like two years and give him like a player and have us have like a mutual option for the second year or something. I'm I don't know if this is this is something I have no research on, it's just me thinking about it. Like with the way Patrick Mahomes plays, uh, so much out of the pocket drop dropping back so far, anyways. I question how important or, like, relatively how important a tackle is in our offense compared to other offensive lines? Well, I, I would argue it's important, but I think it's more important to have a guy like Fisher who's athletic than a guy like Orlando Brown that's a road grader. Y- yes. I would almost wonder if it wouldn't be worth, like, trading Orlando Brown for, like, someone who might be a little bit worse but fits the scheme better and then, like, grabbing, like, an asset or something on the way back. <laughs> Trade him back to Baltimore for one of their offensive linemen. <laughs> I, I don't think, well, no, because like, th- that's the thing is like their offensive linemen are big because they need to be able to run block. 
Yeah. You'd be looking. I don't even know who you'd be looking for, to be completely honest. I don't, I don't either. I mean, like Eric, Eric, I'm not, I'm not sitting here and like saying Eric Fisher is like a one of a kind player. Like Eric, Eric Fisher was like a really athletic tackle, and like, yeah. I, I don't know. Again, like this might have been Beach trying to like force Andy Reid to run the ball, and it did, it didn't work because we lost the Asian title game because we didn't run the ball. Um, speaking of losing, the Royals still stink, and that's your MLB coverage for today. Because neither I don't like the Royals, and Gavin doesn't like baseball. Yep. And uh, congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche on winning the Stanley Cup. That was like two weeks ago, and I don't even know if Beans covered it during yep. the uh, Flyover Beans show. So congratulations to the Abs. Hopefully we can get Rachel on to talk about the Abs. Um, and now I think it's time to roster bait to K-State. We promised that we would roster bait to K-State earlier in the show when we were talking about conference realignment. And I think yeah. now is the time to go over some of the roster on the team because we are K-State fans. And we'll, you know what? We'll need to have – I think we need to have cats on like okay. in a week or two to roster bait to K's roster or at least like talk about K's roster. You I will know? never roster bait to that shithole. I, I, I know you won't. I'm just saying, like, we need to have even coverage. We can't. Okay. We can't. We can't just be, you know, K State affiliated. Otherwise, we're just Bosco boys. I mean, we can bring cats on to talk about them, and I can have a rational conversation. Yeah, cats isn't gonna. I mean, cats is gonna joke around and everything, but cats isn't gonna be like, oh my god, we're gonna win like twelve games. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, Jalen Daniels is good, and Devin Neal is good, and like they have some good players, but you know. So how do you want to do this, Sam? Do you just want to talk about everything we're excited for in no particular order and just alternate or go through each position that's not quarterback? I, I think we should just go through positional group. Let's just go through uh, – Don't you dare say quarterback. Yeah, well, we'll just go through, like, quarterback. Nah! Uh, we'll go quarterback uh, and running back because he's basically a running back. All right, so we'll, we'll uh, do backfield, pass catchers, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, we'll go front seven. We'll do front seven and secondary. How about that? Sounds good. And then uh, we we'll just ignore special teams because special teams should just be fine. Yep. We, you know what? We'll we'll just start with special teams. Actually, Phil Brooks good, Malik Knowles good, kicker not good, punter good. There you go. I'm pretty sure we could put a couch back to return kicks, and it would be one of the best like kick returners in the country. Just and I, I, I can't explain that. I can't explain why we can just like rotate out athletes and be if we're just like emphasize blocking more or whatever. But it, it is the damnedest thing. It, like it, it is crazy. Like we, K State is just special teams. You in terms of like return games. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm, I'm starting to think it's maybe just because the Big Twelve didn't give a fuck about. I think it's kind of twofold. I think the Big 12 didn't give a fuck about special teams, for one. And I think the secondary talent on most Big 12 teams just isn't super deep. Like, if you're doing punt, if you're like punt return in the SEC, like, I feel like the backups are all kind of like four star guys or like yeah. dummy athlete guys who are good at stuff like that. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just because you throw your walk on from small town, like, Freaking, I don't know, Gerard, Kansas, like in there. <laughs> yeah. Shout um, out to Gerard. I, All my homies love Gerard. I didn't mean to just cover uh, the kickoffs there because our 
our punt cover our punt returns may actually be even more uh like better than our kick return units just because like punt returns are something that you don't like that they're kind of they're really hit and miss for us they're just not ever when that when you're punting to us if you're not kicking out of bounds it's a legitimate weapon yeah um, and i mean Knowles and brooks do a good job i they they kind of dropped the ball a couple of times and that kind of scares me a lot but yeah. we we do a pretty good job on punt return too it special teams has been fairly consistent and someday it's not going to be it's going to really piss me off when that happens well, we're that's working how you, on it with our that's how you win games with less talent is in the margins. Right. We're working it, on it with our kicking game being really bad. So Yeah, we if we can get our kicker to just be average, that would be nice. And it, it does scare me that we might actually lose a game this year because our kicker stinks. Yeah. I yeah, I, I would go even more than a game, but I hopefully uh we have Hopefully, hopefully we have are in control of games more than needing to rely on our kickers. I'll just say I'll just say that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the backfield. Really, for the backfield, this this is really just more of a acknowledgement of Deuce Vaughn's greatness and how good he is. And then, honestly, I I think we just need to talk about Adrian Martinez. We don't need to like roster bait to Adrian Martinez. We just need to lay out what we expect from Adrian Martinez. Okay. So. When it comes to Deuce, Heisman candidate, um, touted everywhere. And the best part about Deuce Vaughn is because he doesn't, A, he plays in the Big 12, and then B, because he doesn't fit the just like size thresholds that the NFL will look for, there is a chance that he is just dynamic as hell and one of the best running backs in the country again this year, eligible to declare for the draft, but maybe the NFL just gives him the signals that like they still aren't willing to invest heavy capital into him, and he says, "Fuck this! I'm going to stay in college, maybe pick up an NIL deal, and play my last year out at Kansas State." That is a realistic possibility. I don't want to like depend on that or anything. I just uh, I appreciate that chance because of the way Deuce Vaughn is, and because the NFL is dumb, and you have to fit certain size thresholds to get drafted. By the way, that dude's NIL deal right now is through a porta potty company, which is hilarious because that, that commercial was awesome. That commercial was hilarious. I don't I don't care what anyone says. That was no deuces allowed. No deuces allowed. Um, but yeah, Deuce is great. I mean, that that's really all there is to it, right? Deuce is great. Like, yeah, he's never not been great here. Also, it, right? Like the, the one the one thing Deuce didn't do was bowl over the Texas offensive line to get a first down like four times like in the game against Texas. But yeah, dude's fucking five six. Like that's like asking you to do that. And like yeah. I, I get Deuce is fantastic. I get Deuce is great. I get like all that stuff. Deuce is limited by his size and I can't blame Deuce for not being able to run over like a six four three hundred pound man. No, you should probably blame our former offensive coordinator for deciding that a five six hundred and like fifty five pound running back is gonna run up the a gap on thir- uh third and short and fourth and short to pick up a first down. This is off topic, but I but Patrick Mahomes ruined quarterback sneaks. You can't run him with freaking Will Howard. 
Mike Gundy refused to run it with Spencer Sanders for some ungodly reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. whatever. That that This is my biggest soapbox issue is just why do coaches hate – I understand you not win run a quarterback sneak on, like, fourth and, in like, inches in the second quarter, like, on, like, your opponent's 35-yard line because your kicker fucking sucks. Like, I get it. I understand you don't want to do that there. I know I'm way off topic, way out of line on our topic. But, like, if you're if – you, if the chance of you going to, like, the college football playoff is there, run a fucking quarterback sneak for God's sakes. Yeah, no, I'm, if, I'm completely dude, it's with Will you. Howard, too. Well, fucking, it's the last game of the season. Like, who the fuck cares? And uh, two parts. A, are we, like, actually concerned if Will Howard get, gets injured there? And then B, um, Tom Brady – is the king of quarterback sneaks, and he's 46, so... He's the GOAT! Yeah. Whatever. Um, expectations for Adrian Martinez. Um, he's going to turn the ball over. Um, he's going to make exciting plays because he's a good athlete. Um, I, I just need him to be... I need him to be, like, a notch lower than Skyler, right? Skyler Thompson's, like, a sixth-round, like, Seventh round NFL draft pick. Like I need, I need, I just need Adrian Martinez to be like a UDFA, like one of you know what I mean, like one of those guys. I so there's two sides of this. A, I have very, 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 very low expectations for Adrian Martinez, um, which is good because then I'm not going to be disappointed. Um, but oh, I, think, I don't think Adrian Martinez is like anything special. I, I just need him to be like a college, like a starting caliber college quarterback. I think he can be that. The problem is, like, in my mind, when you're talking about average starting college quarterback, which isn't okay, a high bar. Average power five school quarterback. Well, I, I think that that's the high end because he hasn't shown that yet in three years or however I, long. I'd argue Nebraska. he's been good enough at Nebraska. Like they haven't won anything, but that's because Nebraska fucking sucks. I that's the upside with him, right? Is we haven't seen him on a good roster or a good team or whatever, and it's kind of it's really difficult to pull quarterback play out individually when the team sucks around him. Now, now here's what I will say: I don't know how well he fits. Like, yes. Like, here's my thing: if Con Klein is going to like come in and he's going to do like shit that he did. Then, like, I like it a lot better. Colin Klein proved that you don't have to be a good thrower of the football in order to run the offense that he ran at K-State. Right. Like, if, if we're out here and we're running, like, quarterback-designed option runs and, like, easy, like, RPO reads, then, like, yeah, Adrian Martinez might work. If he's going to – if we're going to fucking do what Courtney Messingham had us doing, then, like, Adrian Martinez is going to be bad. Like, it, it that's it. I, right? Right. At, like, Adrian Martinez has been in college football for four years. He is what he is. Everyone knows what he is. And if we scheme to his strengths, then we have a good chance of being all right. If we don't, he's going to be bad. Like, that's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, to wrap up my thoughts on him, I completely agree with all of that. The big, The big thing with him, besides the fact that he's, like, currently injured and we hope he recovers, uh that is uh, we run i don't think our offense given 
and we'll get to the wide receivers and stuff here soon. I don't think we're explosive enough to like not uh to just get big plays out of nothing and all of that all of that stuff we're gonna have to work our way down the field win with defense the usual k-state stuff the problem with adrian martinez is we've never seen him be able to protect the ball which is so fucking important when you're not generating big plays when you're yeah. winning on the margins just that, like that's talking what, earlier. that's what concerns me to me it's not necessarily the footballing ability or the talent that concerns me because like he's flashed both of those, it's the, it's just the being able to keep keep the football. Right. It's, I mean? My That's my comparison is. for my little brain is like st- you're starting early Denver career Drew Locke, like NFL version, whatever that type of quarterback versus like what Geno Smith is right now. So they're both on the roster. You can look at both types of quarterbacks. You know what you could get, but like. What's better, and that that answer is kind of harder to, that's harder to answer, right? Yeah. No, I I completely get that. Um, speaking of wide receiver room, um, it really comes down to Malik Knowles, right? Like Malik Knowles needs to turn into that guy, where we need to give him an opportunity to turn into that guy at least. Kind of feels like we don't do that sometimes. Yeah, that's uh. Speaking of like uh. Same way we're pulling Adrian Martinez out of a shitty situation and him not being able to produce at his best. Malik Knowles might have like been in one of the worst situations for a wide receiver in the country last year. I feel a lot of that, a lot of Malik Knowles people, there's K-State Twitter that is just like swarming to come at me right now because he dropped some passes in some games. But like we've seen the flashes from Malik Knowles and I Whatever you want to say about drop passes, they happen, they suck, but they're not a sticky stat. They just kind of, like, randomly happen, it would appear. I mean, like, he's just as – in my opinion, he's just as good as Byron Pringle, right? Right. And, like, what else – and here's a good segue into the rest. What else are you going to other than Malik Knowles? Like, if if you have – you're going to Phillip Brooks, I guess. And I guess Sebastian Taylor is hopefully, like, fully recovered. And And Sammy Wheeler's still there somehow. Yeah, and I guess um, Lockett Lockett contributed. Tyler, that is, contributed early in his freshman year. So um, maybe Sterling does the same. I, I don't want to put Sterling. that kind of pressure on Sterling. I don't, right? I don't yeah. either. But again, if I'm going to say the same things about Jake Rubley and Avery Johnson on like good prospects produce early, that's gonna have to apply to Sterling at some point as well. Uh, nah, I totally get that, and I mean, like, I, I feel like. It, he is a three-star prospect, and I feel like it's a little bit unfair to just be like, oh, like he's he's a locket, so he has to be good. good. That's, I mean, that's he, he is a three-star true. prospect. Just because he's a locket doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a beast. As, oh, my God, Raphael Devers pimp-shotted that thing. Yeah, and I know nothing about – I that was where my brain stopped was he is a locket, so I just have a baseline of expectations because there's never been a bad locket at K-State. Yeah, and I mean, he just might be the one where it's like he doesn't produce till his junior and senior season. He might just like if he, dude, if he's Curry Sexton, no one's gonna be pissed. No, no, not at all. Like, Our expectations have dropped like, so Tremaine much. Thompson, like, dude, those guys are great. Everyone loves uh, Curry Sexton, and Tremaine Thompson. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna, no, I, I I'm gonna check and see what other uh, wide receivers we have. Oh, it's not pretty, and like the I guess the big picture here, the guys that we're talking about. 
none of them have had that productive of a season. None of them have like shown more anything more than flashes. Um, we hope that Colin Klein, a switch at offensive coordinator, can get some more out of them, use them in some creative ways. But like at the end of the day, we haven't seen these guys be uber productive. But we don't run a scheme. We don't run an offense that's conducive to wide receiver stats either. So we'll just have to wait and see. There's upside, but there's I'm I'm skeptical about what we're actually going to get out of them. I wonder if we'll get anything out of uh, Jaden Jackson, the uh, guy who transferred from Miss Ole Miss. That's who we got the transfer too. That that's who I would be looking to to kind of like pick up a little bit of that slack. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean like. We rotate wide receivers so much, too. A lot. And, like, Cade Warner will do his little Cade Warner thing. Cade Warner was, like, good in the sense that, like, he picked up some, like, clutch, like, yards. <laughs> yeah. He, he he reminds me of, the like, your cerebral zone-beating, like, slot guy that just pops up when you need him a couple times a game. But that's exactly. his ceiling and his floor. Yeah, I mean, I mean Cade Warner will be fine. We, um, but uh, Not to derail us on this. Um good. We've like let him throw a football like a couple times just to be sure, right? God, I hope so. If we like, did, if we right? did, that'd be malpractice. Yeah, I okay. I just wanted to get that out. So hopefully, Colin Klein, if you're listening to this, you just put a ball in that dude's hands and see how far he can throw it. See what see what it do. Yeah. Well, let's go to the offensive line real quick because as a former offensive lineman, I know no one cares. Uh, Duffy. On one end and BB on the other end, I feel like it's pretty good, especially if Duffy cleans up his penalties. Yeah, uh, Cooper BB, a uh, high end NFL prospect on a couple sites right now. Um, I know PFF is in love with him. Uh, that's really, really good stuff to see. It's part of exactly with the stuff that we're talking about with Martinez going from a shitty situation to hopefully having one of, if not the best lines in the Big 12. Yeah, and I here's what I would say right now I think. I think we just need a transition. I mean, we've been we've been rash debating and going off topic and everything on this segment. So I think I think it's time to really talk about what I think is the strength of the team, at least on like the front end, maybe not depth wise, but that is the front seven, not I necessarily the agree. linebackers. But I mean, you got Felix and you and Uzama, Khalid Duke, Matt Lack, big old Eli Huggins, Daniel Green. Like you got some fucking players. On the front seven. This is, uh, since the, like, defenses during the, like, 2012-2011 era, this may be K-State's most, like, best defense since those times. Yeah, and it all starts with that front seven. Like, right. I mean, there's not much to say. Khalid Duke, like, tore up, did he tear up his knee, I think it was, last year? He all tore all I know is he's going to be completely healthy and ready to go for this season. Yeah, he oh, tore man. up something in the Nevada game last year, third game of the season. And, and he was on the too, playing really, really well. Yeah, he was playing well. And and he had been playing well ever since, I think, the Oklahoma game the previous year. Yeah, he's there's a chance that we have the two best defensive ends in the Big 12. And he, he's listed as linebacker right now. So, obvi- I mean, obviously, I think we're around like a three-something. So, if he's playing linebacker, he's going to be coming off the edge. Yeah, as long as they're both getting pressure and we're both using them correctly and not doing something dumb where we're like – Dropping Khalid Duke into coverage. Yeah, yeah. Legitimately that. As long as we're using them correctly, I don't give a shit if Khalid Duke is listed as the corner. 
<laughs> but yeah, like Khalid Duke was playing well until he tore up his knee or his leg or whatever he tore up. And then Felix went out and damn near set the record for sacks. I think he did, but uh, the TV and media don't think he did. So who cares? Doesn't matter to me. Fuck it. Doesn't matter. Back to me. Anyways, Felix was awesome in that game against TCU. Felix was awesome down the stretch. He might be a little overhyped just in terms of, like, a lot of his production came from one game. Mm-hmm. But Felix, after that one game, was getting double teamed and everything like that. And he's still producing. And now we're going to have Khalid Duke off the uh, off the edge. Right. If uh, So, health – just because Khalid Duke's coming off of an injury, like the this defense stays healthy, they're incredible. I, um, you can take us through linebackers. I will just say when it comes to linebackers, not including Khalid Duke, I really do think that K State, because it's what they've done for pretty much the last decade, it just doesn't matter, um, that much what we throw out there. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be serviceable. They're it gonna kind of it kind of works out. Right. I um I don't mean that as like an indictment to anybody we put out there. More more so just like our coaches, our linebacker coaches, we're usually finding or getting the most out of the linebacking talent that we have. Um they're making flashy plays, they're playing decent in zone. The uh I don't want to move us on too quickly here, but the only uh unit that I'm concerned about is our secondary. Yeah, and what I would say with the linebackers is Will Honus is an interesting addition. He's been playing forever, came from Nebraska. We'll see what he brings. But I think really the one the one piece that's not concerning about the secondary is uh, Echo Boydo yep. and Julius Brents. I'm fairly confident in. He played pretty much all last season. But, I mean, the rest of it is kind of patchworky. Really wish we had Rush East back. Yeah. Um, it's credit to him. Got drafted. I know he did get drafted. That was a good. That was good. I was happy for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember that one guy's name. He's a safety now. He was listed as a corner in the portal, and he got moved up. Oh, we moved him up to safety. I know who you're. We talking moved him about. to safety, and Brent's down to corner. But it's like he wears number one. I think we, we have a safety named BJ Payne. So I mean, I guess we're good. <laughs> Jet Deneen is apparently a safety. Would never have guessed that. The uh big big picture here with the defense. As long as our – if our front seven plays – Josh Hayes, that's who it is, Josh Hayes. If, if our uh, front seven plays up to their – the level that we think they're capable of, um, Felix and Khalid Duke are completely unleashed. The quarterback's always under duress. Our secondary only has to be so good, right? That's uh, – there's kind of this, like, yo-yo effect that goes on in football where you can disrupt an offense either through pressure – uh, like lockdown defense in the secondary, both, but like you have to have one of those two things at least, right? Yeah, you have to at least have one of your defenses cooked. Right. So if our se- if our front seven can play just outstanding and be the best unit in the Big Twelve, which they are completely capable of, um, my concern about the secondary is just not going to matter. I would say the biggest concern about the secondary is they suck at tackling too. That's kind of like. <laughs> That's kind of my bigger concern. I a big deal. <laughs> that, that's a huge deal, and that's more of a coaching thing than a player thing. However, yeah. what I will say, and this is important, K-State has an opportunity to start a safety duo in the future of B.J. Payne and Kobe Savage, which would be the greatest duo safety name 
like combo of all time. <laughs> like, tell me, that, tell me that Kobe Savage isn't an elite football name, and BJ Payne isn't an elite football name. Uh, we've had some uh, Jalen Pickle at defensive tackle. We've had some absolute football names come. I through. didn't even mention Pickle in the front seven. Yeah, and like Pickle's oh, yeah, good. Pickle's solid. God, he's old or feels old, anyways. He's been here and producing for a while. Big, yeah, big no, dude. he's good. Shout mm-hmm. out to Jalen Pickle. I'm sure I forgot you. Yep. Uh, so I, guess, I think that's kind of it for the roster, wouldn't you think? Yeah, big. I guess big picture items for both of us here. Uh, two things for me. The first thing. We've, um, I know that you and me have at least noticed and most of K-State seems like they have. When we went from Snyder to uh, Kleinman, one of the most frustrating things that seems to have happened is uh, penalties and just like, yep. and dumb penalties, like un- unopportune, just completely, un- sometimes undisciplined. Uh, that's something that can just so easily be fixed and it would help out this team so much. Cause there's so many games where there was just a exorbitant amount of penalty yardage. And uh, it makes it hard to win a game when we're talking about on the margins, right? Um, mm-hmm. It makes it so hard for a equally or less talented team to win. So I think that's important for Kansas state. And I'll just address the quarterbacks again, because sadly, um, We'll go over the roster and our predictions here in the future, but like my, what sucks about football is the rest of this roster shows so much potential. But at the end of the day, if we don't get better quarterback play than what we've seen out of Will Howard the last couple of years, it's just not going to matter. And hopefully we do. Hopefully somebody on this roster takes a step forward over what my eyeballs have been accustomed to. Um, but we'll see. And uh, I guess with that, Sam, what do you, what's your big overarching takeaways? I think it's just uh, K-State has a good opportunity to have a really good season. Uh, people think that they do too. I mean, they were picked to finish fifth in the conference, which, I mean, is in the top half. I don't think we finished in the top half. Well, I think we finished in the top half last year, didn't we? We were, we were close. I don't remember. I, I can't remember. I, I think we would have if we beat Texas. But I, I mean, K-State's been, K-State's been kind of up and down with climate. It's kind of been stop-start. You're kind of waiting for it to turn over. And this is a good opportunity for it to turn over. But I think it's important to make sure that we we, we got to win some games this year because next year is going to be going to be a tough one. I mean, a lot of the guys that we name, they're seniors. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But oh, I, oh my God, I think it's Sam. a cri- – go ahead. We were fifth in the Big 12 with a four and five conference record. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, but continue. But, um, Pretty much just saying, you know, times now, I know a lot of people complain that the talent level when Snyder retired was kind of bare, and now you look at the talent level now, and honestly, it's pretty high. So, I mean, that's yeah. a testament to our recruiting ability and – our player development ability, we've shown it's there. We just need to put the pieces together. Yep. And I don't want to end necessarily on such a shitty note because uh, this team is uber, uber, uber talented. Yeah. And uh, they can win games with bad quarterback play. There's talent all over this defense. NFL talent, too. NFL talent. Right, Cooper BB could be a first-round pick on our offensive line. 
Like there's so much exciting stuff going on. And with the addition of a guy like Avery Johnson that you know is coming in the future, maybe some of his friends, maybe some other, maybe that makes it easier to recruit other high end recruits. You know, that, that, exactly. that possibility is still out there too. Um, I know we're going to lose a lot of talent off of this roster, but my hope, my personal, um, what I'm hoping for is even though we might lose talent over the next year, um, when we go into next season, if Avery Johnson is what the national high school recruiting says that he is, it there's a high, there's a good possibility that's still a better quarterback than we're going to be trotting out next year. Exactly. Uh, so hopefully that can offset itself a little bit, and we can see K State really, really take some strides forward. But I, I don't want to get too far ahead into K State. This year has all of the opportunity to still be a great year, and maybe we do see that high end from Taylor Martinez. Who knows? And I mean, I hope we see it. But I think, you know, if we're going to be talking high and low end, we got to address the low end of sports media. Gavin, ESPN got sacked. <laughs> That's what they call it. Um, this is going to replace Bean's thought provoking moment of the uh, week for us. We're calling it the ball sack provoking moment because ESPN got ball sack sports the other day. For those of you who are uninitiated, do not know, Ball Sack Sports essentially is what Barry, it, it's basically a new age version of Barry McCockiner. And for those of you who don't remember what Barry McCockiner is, it's basically just a fake Twitter account. Barry used to impersonate people. Ball Sack Sports just pretends to be a legitimate news source. And all they do is make fake quotes and like fool people with them, right? Tweet them out as real news. Exactly. So essentially what happened was, is John Morant went on to a podcast and Michael Jordan got brought up and he, he basically said like, oh yeah, like he, he like nonchalantly joked like, oh yeah, I'd cook Jordan because like I'm confident and like, you got to be confident. And he's like, and he had like a line where it was like, yeah, who's the best soccer player? And someone says, like, Messi. He was like, yeah, you know, bring, bring Messi out here. Like, I'll cook him, too. You know, like, joking, right? Like, yeah. just being a fun guy. And so, Ballsack Sports, what they did was they put out a fake quote about how he would cook Jordan, which he technically did say, but that Jordan isn't any good, and he'd just be another le- guy in, like, the league of LeBron and KD and all that stuff. Pretty much just calling Jordan, like, a bum. And... You know, this got, like, a ton of retweets because, like, people don't know how to do internet. And they just see, like, any Twitter account with, like, any fake symbol, like, next to the name. Like, ah, that's a verified symbol. And it got, like, 20,000 likes and, like, a couple thousand retweets. And ESPN took the fake quote, didn't even, like, vet it, and took the fake quote and built a whole, like, 20-minute segment around it. There, there has absolutely, there has to be a like 30 for 30, which I mean, ESPN makes the 30 for 30. So something like a 30 for 30 that just like, is it nothing but just an office episode, but it's the ESPN offices. And like when something like this, you know, goes like trending or something on Twitter, just the like moment where Michael comes out of his office, you know, oh my God, it's okay. It's happening. Everybody's panicking and scrambling around. There's like no organization, no nothing. It's just a shit show because that's what ESPN is. And that's how you get stuff like this to happen. And then have people 
who are experts go on TV and talk about it for 30 minutes. You know what the worst part of it, too, is? Like, genuinely the worst part. They, like, what? attributed the quote to, like, Bleacher Report. So they knew the interview happened, and they saw the fake quote, and they just thought it was from Bleacher Report. Yeah, so they, like, attributed the a fake quote to, like... They, like So that shows they didn't even watch it. They didn't even watch the interview. It also kind of just uh, uh, shows how slow of a news point we're at in, in general right now. Um, but, yeah, that's... Yeah, I didn't even about register. Ballsack Sports. I, I didn't even register that. I knew that it was from Ballsack Sports because I saw the original. But I also saw that ESPN, like, quoted Bleacher Report in there. And I, I put together that that wasn't the same, but I just assumed that Ballsack Sports was running with a Bleacher Report story. It, <laughs> I, I don't know. Geez. So, again, like, for the to just be clear, Bleacher Report did have, like, the podcast with Ja. And John did say he'd cook MJ like in a joking way, and like that—that's like from Bleacher Report. And Ballsack pretty much just like took the words, or like he got cooked and added like the fake quote onto the end of it, right? Yeah. And like that, it, it, so it pretty much says one of two things: either ESPN like took the quote and just gave it to Bleacher Report because they like saw B at the front of it and thought it looked like Bleacher Report, and they're dumb. Or they didn't watch the interview and just saw, like, Bleacher Report tweet out, like, oh, John Morant, like, said he would cook MJ, so that way people would click on the video, and then, like, found the quote and just assumed it was from Bleacher Report. Like, neither one is good. And the worst thing I saw about it was that Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports called out the dude who runs Ball Sack and was like, oh, yeah, this dude has, like, no life. Who would do this? And then this guy named Kofi, who I follow on Twitter, just at Kofi, he was like, imagine getting mad because someone's forcing you to actually do your job. <laughs> it's like, dude's just mad because now he has to actually, like, double-check his source. Like, come on, man. It, yeah, I don't... This is a huge ball sack on the face of ESPN. The sad part is it, it'll never matter. It's just something funny to... Uh, oh god, but, I I love it, dude. I'm I'm all for like embarrassing like big media. Yep. Like I I don't care if it's ESPN, I don't care if it's Fox, I don't care if it's like CBS. I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for dudes getting embarrassed. I mean, we've already seen uh Adam Scheffner like directly influence uh suspensions on NFL players because the first thing he reported to the mass public on a um legal proceeding was completely one-sided. We've seen that multiple times. Dude, ESPN's having a rough year. Yeah. But, uh, I guess, uh, if that's nothing else, Sam, should we take it into hot take of the week and close up shop? I think so. I know that you have one hot take of the week, and I still need to think of one. So how about you tell me yours, and I'll try and think of one. All right, I'm going to take us on a journey here, because I've been doing some deep analytical thinking which is extremely dangerous. Um, but so um, everywhere NFL and down and the NFL thinks this way too, but it works college, high school, etc., and football. There's a concept where you're supposed to set, get the ball into your best playmaker's hands, get the ball in your best player's hand. And like that will just kind of take care of your offense in a way. Like if you're not setting up your offense to get the ball to your best player, then what are you doing? Right. Um, 
I want to push against that in the NFL, mostly because um, the talent gap in the NFL between good and bad players is just closer. It's the closest that it is. And um, yeah, everyone in the NFL is good. Right. So my thing is, why are we, um, why are we scheming Devonte Adams? And this, this isn't a good example because of my uh, qualifier to this. Why are we scheming players like Devonte Adams open when Devonte Adams is going to get open anyways, right? Why a uh, perfect example here uh, to like sum up my point is the San Francisco 49ers. We give Kyle Shanahan, like he's this offensive guru, this mastermind, this, uh, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Kyle, but my problem with him is Debo Samuel's great. Debo Samuel's outstanding. Um, no matter where you play him, the offense just, gives him uh, all of the production. The problem is when Debo Samuel's producing, you're not getting all of Brandon Ayuk. You're not getting all of George Kittle. You're getting more of Debo Samuel, but it's not the sum of the offensive parts, right? When Debo gets hurt, you get more from Brandon Ayuk. It's what we saw from him his rookie year. It's like all of a sudden, oh my God, Brandon Ayuk's really good. But how much of that is just because, like, oh, I got to set up the offense for Brandon Ayuk this week. We've literally heard Kyle Shanahan use that terminology, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I guess my thing is, what are you really getting if you have multiple playmakers, if you have multiple good players? What are they doing? What good are they doing if uh, you're not assisting them, I guess, in a way that gets them all of the production they could be getting. The sum of the parts idea here is what I'm really, really hitting at. Uh, perfect example here um, to... Oh, God, this is a lot of brain power. Sorry, I need deep breath. So, <laughs> so Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, too. Mike Williams used to be just a like deep threat. This guy that would go haul ass up the field, jump, fall down on his uh, face, and be out for two games and then repeat, right? Yeah. And this last year, we saw Mike Williams' role change. All of a sudden, it's Mike one of Mike Williams' best seasons. But Keenan Allen just, like, did Keenan Allen things regardless. You got more out of Mike Williams because you changed his role, lower A dot, easier targets. You gave him some scheme stuff. Keenan Allen just did the exact same thing that he's always done. You just got a better offense because you were utilizing your second-best player. Now, you have to have a second player that's capable of taking stepping into that role and using it. But they're like, reality is whether you scheme shit up for Devonte Adams or not, he's going to just get his, he's going to be really, really good. And maybe if you don't like scheme it up for him instead of 1500 receiving yards, it's 1300. But if you're getting 800 more receiving yards out of your second best receiving option, doesn't that like way offset that, right? Just in terms of math and some, um, it's just an interesting thing to like try and wrap your head around. I just think that the NFL needs to think about that more often. We'll see it with uh, Miami with Tua and Jalen Waddle this year. Um, and Tyree kill. If Tyree kill just like takes all of the production that Jalen Waddle got last year and then Jalen Waddle sucks this year, like did the, did the Tyree kill trade really do anything? Right. So this is what I'm going to tell you why your hot take stinks. And it's not because it stinks, right? It's because it can't be a hot take because it's already a proven principle, at least in the NBA. Back in, back when Wilt Chamberlain played for the Sixers, 
there I, I can't it's it's like the Wilt Chamberlain principle is I think what it's called. But th- it was back when he was like averaging like fifty points a game, like all that crap. Mm-hmm. And his team stunk. He didn't win anything. And they hired a new coach and the coach literally told him to shoot less and pass more. And it was the same damn team and they won like way more games and won like a title like in two years. So this has already been proven. It's just the NFL is dumb and can't wrap their heads around. Yeah. So like the thing is, right. And I I like what you're saying with this is that there are players like Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams and like guys who would just win. So it doesn't really matter. Right. Yes. Like you don't need to scheme Devontae because Devontae's just going to win. It, it's a little bit different with a guy like Tyreek Hill. You want to scheme him just easy touches because he's so explosive, right? Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams is really good. We're not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, Devontae Adams, especially Keaton Allen, are, like, explosive players, right? They're not, they're not taking him to the crib off of, like, a five-yard, like, hitch. <laughs> right. Or anything. Like, Tyreek Hill is a little bit different in that sense. But, like, those guys are elite route runners and they just win. So you don't need to scheme them open. So, like, you almost, like you said, you're almost using, you almost need to use them as, like, decoys when you're scheming open another person. Like, you need to use the fact that they can just win as, like, the... Is is it a decoy, or do you just, like, kind of forget about them? Like, you're able to legitimately focus on the other side of the field. Well, so what I mean is, like, if Devontae Adams can just win, right, Mm -hmm. then, like, he's going to command, like, more attention... Which means that when you scheme something up for someone else, then There's like reference. they'll they'll already be starting with numbers. Yes. Yeah. And so like you shouldn't scheme Devontae Adams up because you're already not starting with numbers. Now it's a little bit different if you're doing like a fucking screen on the goal line, right? Like that's well, that's different. That's not what we're talking about. It's different with Devontae and why like Devontae Adams is a good example of somebody who's always going to produce. But the problem with Devontae and, like, the Packers last year is, like, who the fuck are you going to scheme stuff up to as a number two? Like, I don't think there was a number two on that team that was good enough to take advantage, besides, like, maybe Aaron Jones. <laughs> but but he didn't. He just didn't play, like, wide receiver or something like that. So, I mean, I, yeah, they, they needed, like, they needed a guy like – I know you don't like Traylon Burks, but a guy like Traylon Burks in the sense that, like, he's not really a wide receiver, but, like, he's just kind of a guy – that no, you can yeah, give the that, ball to and he can rack, get some rack yards. That's the reason I don't like Traylon Burks, though, is that it like exact thing to where he's best used as like getting schemed touches as like the number two or three option on a team. Yeah. Which, there's a role for that, and that's that's great and everything, but you're like you're sealing your uh whatever. Like you're just a role player at that point. You're no different than <laughs> we I don't I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but like if, if a wide receiver's best attribute is running after the catch, then maybe we should attribute more of the running backs don't matter uh, mantra to them as well. I, if, if you have to get a wide receiver open, but then like he can do special things with the ball in his hands afterwards, like isn't that the definition of a running back? No, I agree with you on that. I don't if you're if you can't get open by yourself, like all the time as a wideout, then like you're not worth anything. You're worth something. I mean, if you can break not a tackles, contract though. Um, I I guess it just De- Debo's a really like interesting example on this because Debo his efficiency stuff when he's wind out at just primary receiver he produces and it show his his numbers show that his yards per route run whatever that he can just create he can get open 
all of that stuff. But then we set up the offense to give him even more production at the detriment of other players, which is kind of like the... That's kind of the silly part. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, you're probably completely right on... It's a concept that a lot of people do know about. At basketball, it's really easy to see because you play so many games. Points per game is a... Uh, you can you can pretty much directly see Russell Westbrook's a good example too. Yeah, um, we, we can talk about Russ a different time. Ru- Russ is a weird player. I've had the same take on Russ a million times, but yeah, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. I think I covered it. It's just a really interesting thing I've been thinking about recently. All right. Well, I don't really have a hot take, so I'm gonna go with a uh, annoying baseball moment that I just watched happen live about ten minutes ago. Sox were up two to th- two to one. Um, and the Rays hit a liner back at our pitcher. It hit his hand, so he kept him. So they had a runner at second. So he hitting him in the hand kept it in the infield. So if he just holds the ball, or no, there was runners on second and first. Excuse me. So if he just holds the ball, you know, it's whatever. Like bases loaded, no outs, and he's going to get subbed off because he got hit in the hand. Um, instead, he throws it to first. And airmails it to first, so a run scores, so the game's tied. And then our first baseman throws it to the catcher, and it bounces off the catcher's glove. And our pitcher is in the fetal position, not backing up the catcher like he should be on that play. And then a different run, another run scores. So now the Sox are losing three to two. Ouch. So my hot take of the week is: is if you get hit in the hand with a line drive and you're not sure if you can get the runner out at first, don't throw the ball. Also, Especially just, if there's two outs. There were two outs. Play doesn't stop when the ball just hits your hands. Exactly. And the, the shitty thing is, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Our guy on third got picked off. By God. I hate it, dear. That was, that was Jeter Downs' fault. So, our guy at third got picked off. They did a pitch out, and our rookie second baseman, I think he's playing second base today, that was his fault because they, we were doing a suicide squeeze, and he didn't bunt the ball. That was also a little bit of Verdugo's fault. You know what? I'm tired of talking about baseball live in the chat because it's just making me upset. Um, what What's our next uh... – What's our next uh, step here? What's our next plan? Just kind of uh, a week away, address the news that's happened, pro- possibly K-State schedule breakdown? I think next week, at least when Beans gets back in, we got to do this K-State schedule breakdown. And hopefully someone will have entered our golf pick and uh, we'll have them on too and we can see ones. That's right. All right. Uh Got any final words for us, Sam? No, I don't think I have any final words. Um, it's hot. It's uh, it hot. the middle Actually, of summer. Nothing's you know, happening. You know what? That was Franchi Cordero who missed that bunt, not Jeter Downs. Jeter Downs, still my king. And with that, that is today's end of the show. Gavin, it was great to have you back. I'm glad you at least have a roof over your head now. That's right. I have beat homelessness. Another special thanks to Play Action Pools for sponsoring today's episode and many other future episodes. We really appreciate the partnership that we're forming right now, and we're really looking forward to 
continuing to make contests, especially during the NFL season. Thank you all for listening again. Follow us on Twitter at underscore, underscore F3S. That's underscore, underscore F3S. And make sure to like, share, and rate the podcast. Leave a comment too, so that way we know what to improve upon. Thanks again to everyone for listening today. Have a great rest of your night. God bless and fuck Bosco boys. Peace out.